Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. With VMware. Free your employees to work more securely from anywhere. Visit exertis.ie forward slash VMware. This is News Talk. And welcome to Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, I'll speak with the man behind Sky Glass. Why ditch the box and what will these changes mean for you? Plus, I head to lovely Leitrim to hear how their digital hub is making a huge impact on the wider community. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. But we're going to kick off this week with Skyglass. Last week on the show, myself and Kira O'Brien gave you our first impressions based on a briefing with my next guest, who is the Global Chief Product Officer at Sky. Uh, Fraser Sterling, you're very welcome to the show. For those who, you know, God forbid, missed last week's show or maybe they haven't heard about it yet, can you give us a bit of an introduction to Skyglass, please? Yeah, definitely. So thanks for having me on. Um, so I, th- I think that... Uh, it's in, it's an interesting move, and I think that, that there's a lot of reasons why behind it that are important. I think I think fundamentally, what's happened over the last multiple years is not just for you know people maybe like you and I that are um, a little bit more inclined and in looking at the sort of technical sort of products that are out there and trying to have a wee look around and being not if I may say and I'll talk for myself a bit geeky. Um, I think for normal people watching watching TV and sort of that type of entertainment has just become quite hard. And actually, the, the interesting thing is it's happened over a longer period of time. So I think more people than than is necessary think that's now the new normal, right? So Googling or whatever being on the internet to try to find out where content is or having to dip into each individual app that all your content's in to find out something to watch or having like five remotes on your couch, uh, you know, maybe. You've, usually you've got five, but two are missing. Yeah. And having like loads of wires and stuff plugged in. And I think like people have over time, that has now become the norm. And I think the, the sort of real sort of concept behind Sky Glass is that's not normal. Right. It's not. And, and you deserve better. So the, the, the concept is that, yes, it is a TV, of course, but really it's an all in one entertainment product where it's got an unbelievable sound, fantastic picture. And all of the content that matters to you is in one easy interface with only one single remote control. And it's about giving the best possible experience to the most possible people. And what's really interesting is that it's just the TV. So when it arrives to your home, there's not going to be a million and one cables. There's just one cable and that plugs into the wall to give you power. And that's the height of it. Um, I'm sure Sky could have found other innovative ways of doing this without having to build the physical TV set itself. Were there previous iterations or other things along the way that almost became the next big thing from Sky? Or were you always focused on building a TV set that had that technology ingrained in every element of it? So that's, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah, so the sort of innovation or getting to a conclusion is never like this sort of linear thing where, you know, you're like, I know what we'll do. This is exactly it. And then you just only do that for a period of time. The truth is, like, everything we've done at Sky has led to this product in reality. And I know it sounds a bit weird uh, and maybe a bit kind of prep to say that, but it's not. I've literally made that up, but, you know, because you think about it, like, telly started off certainly for where I am with four channels, you know, sometimes if you're lucky. And when Sky came along, when they were 
when they came along, the whole thing was about choice. It's all about choice, 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 because we didn't really have as customers or people that watch the telly a lot of choice. Um, Sky came and they offered choice. The reality now that's still our job, uh, but but the, the the tides have turned, meaning that now, now there's so much choice. Right, it's our job now to make it easy for you to find something you want to do or something you want to watch. So, Sky Q is an amazing product, and actually, if you look at a load of the things we we've done in Sky Q, that is all around this as well. It's all about aggregation and trying to have all as much of that stuff in one place as possible. But Sky Glass is the next best sort of like manifestation or the next best product to do that because it doesn't just bring together sort of the the digital world and aggregate that and bring that together for you in one place it does it with the physical world as well right as in i don't need to have all these devices it's just one tv one remote like you said uh, and and it's all there easy for you so this is this is it right and it's truly really trying to solve multiple problems by making something as simple as possible at least moving parts and all that yeah, no, absolutely. And it makes a lot of sense. The thing, because it was yourself who gave myself and Kira O'Brien that briefing last week. And one of the things that got me most excited was that aggregation of content. Uh, because we've all seen beautiful TVs. You can walk into any store or any home in the country and chances are you'll see a beautiful TV. But the issue that I find is getting the content, you know, open, opening the Disney app, the Netflix app, scrolling through live TV. It's a pain in the face, even though they've all tried to make it that bit easier. But having the smart interface that, you know, can showcase all this content, but not overwhelm, it strikes me as something that a lot of hours went into, maybe a lot of grey hairs came from to try and get it right, because it would be so easy to get it wrong. But from what I've seen so far, there is that balance of choice, but without the overwhelm. Well, you're right there. I used to have, I used to have like a lion's mane of hair beautiful like a timothy advert you know now, now look at me <laughs> old man river um like yeah absolutely loads of stuff's going on and i think like and again without sounding like weird and like a product guy i think it's more that it is more than a tv like as a tv don't get me wrong it's we've got hdmi inputs and we've got all the great stuff but it's it's more it is really we have really designed this to be an experience because um like you know the, the traditional and like tv manufacturers out there they do such an amazing job it's so so much innovation in what they do and it, like we're not there to compete with those people really at all right we're there to kind of we're there to do something different, which is we're there, we're there to create an experience, right? And, and experience to us is sort of hardware, you know, the device, software, the things that make it work, and the experience on top. And that is that is what makes that what that is what makes the experience of the product a whole. So um making sure that if you do a search for you know comedy movies or Bruce Willis movies or um you know what I mean, Killian Murphy movies or whatever it might be, they're just gonna appear on your on your screen and it doesn't matter where they are mm-hmm. when you you saw that you saw it in person right there was sky and disney and netflix and amazon prime all they are just there and all you have to do is go around boom watch one or you know add it to your playlist you can search for you know rugby um ga we've got a section on that i actually love about ga so when you do that you search and you just add those you click that and then it adds it to your playlist and records it in the cloud and all that good stuff so it's all supposed to be there in a seamless way and it is don't get me wrong you look at it it is a tv it is a telly for sure but like you say it's really the experience is the thing we've really focused on and that experience will live on and improve through all the different variants of the the you know the devices that we make over the over the years 
Yeah, I was on with uh, Joe Lynham on Breakfast Business on Wednesday, I want to say, of this week. And I was talking through uh, Sky Glass and what it is. And one of the points that I made is that, you know, if you subscribe to, say, uh, Grey's Anatomy, if you add Grey's Anatomy to your playlist and it disappears from Netflix but pops up onto Disney, I don't have to do anything to find Grey's Anatomy because Sky has kind of done that switcheroo and my viewing experience stays exactly the same, which I think is just really, really clever. Um, you mentioned about the playlist and I, I put up on Instagram that I was going to be talking to you and uh, someone called Owen got in touch and he said, does the new Sky Glass series record? Like, can I watch sport or record sport and watch it later? Or do I have to wait until it's on demand? No. So you can do all those things just like you can. So, so, so um, we talked about my, my, I've got my second favorite feature is restart. We talked about mm-hmm. that. I love it. So you can restart any, like all the live channels on the platform. So if you come halfway through sport, which I often do, especially if it's like cricket or F1, which is just marathon levels of <laughs> time taken. So I can come halfway through that and it just, I can go into the TV guide and I can click on it and I can get straight back to the beginning. Um, and I can I can watch it without any spoilers. That is brilliant, right? And we, for movies and stuff as well. But then my favourite feature is playlist. And the reason why I love it so much is because it is recordings, right? We record loads of stuff. And in fact, just because there's not a you know a physical hard drive like there would be <clears throat> back in the day in the device, um, that doesn't matter. We've got a whole a whole massive set of stuff that sits in the cloud for cloud recordings, right? W- what that means is, uh, say for example, it's the sports section, which is awesome. It's the home of sports and sky. It's got all the stuff. We've got all the different Eurosport, BT. Uh, we've got YouTube stuff in there. We've got all the sky stuff in there. We've got all the all of it. You name it. If it's a sport, it's in that section. And I'm in there. The rugby's on, and I hit boom plus in my remote, and I add it to my playlist. In that instance, it's going to record it for me in the cloud, right? And every single time. Uh, there's a the, the rugby is on as part of that thing, or like say it's Monday night football, just like you would record Monday night football, and that series like that's going to record all the future Monday night footballs for you. Awesome, and it's in the cloud, and it's great, just like it would be. It's just in a hard drive that's not in your home, so it's there for you to watch at your leisure, fast forward, rewind, all that good stuff. Also, in that sports section, there's movies about sport and documentaries about sport. In there too and when i hit that in my playlist that documentary could be a netflix because it's the last dance of michael uh, michael jordan thing awesome mm-hmm. and that is now recorded in my playlist well even though even though it's on netflix so when i play it from my playlist it opens up netflix and plays straight back so that's the beauty of the feature we don't care where the content is in fact it's our job to make you triple not care what it is it's just a case of you adding it because you like it. And then when you want to play it back, it could play back from the cloud. It could play back from a VOD asset, a documentary thing from inside an app. It doesn't matter. And that's that's the whole point of it. So it is recordings, right, because we do record stuff and it's so much more. Um, and it allows us to have better flexibility, right, because some apps, like you kind of record apps never in the past, but now, now you can have a playlist. Yeah, it, I, I, you did the demo and you showcased that, you know, jumping from adding something from live TV to adding something from different apps and all the rest. One thing that really jumped out at me as being the nerdy person who sort of notices this sort of stuff is that there was no lag from you going from live TV, adding something to a playlist, jumping to the playlist and then opening something from Netflix. There is no buffer time. There is no, okay, the machine is ticking away in the back. The fact that that's all built into the TV set itself is super impressive because you would expect there to be something else doing a bit of that heavy lifting. 
Yeah, so the, it's a it's a combination, and it? it's a combination between using all the best resources you can. So that's kind of the, you know, that's that's the thing that's interesting, you know. And and again, it is technical, so I'll try not to like get right into it. But <clears throat> the bent that the there's so many cool things that we've been able to do at Sky and other companies by using all of the resources that are on that thing inside your living room, meaning like the little chip inside and the memory and all that. And that's great. But actually, because because this is a, 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 an experience and a product that's always connected to the internet, now we can use the power there, right? Mm -hmm. So having the ability to use loads of different sort of resources that are out there gives us great opportunities like that, the cloud DVR stuff that we talked about or adding things to your playlist from different apps. And by the way, for example, if you upgrade your SkyGlass to the new version or you move home, or, you know what I mean, maybe uh, you've got a kid and they've been hanging off of it and it's fallen over and broken, whatever. <laughs> you know, when you get a new one, you plug it and you power it up. And then as soon as you power it up, all your recordings and your playlist is there. Mm -hmm. Then you have to lose anything anymore because it's all somewhere else. So those those things are like really good sort of ways and benefits of like using all the best things to our advantage. And like the, all those big apps, like you said, Netflix and Disney and, and YouTube and all the others on there. Like the, the idea there is like when you click on that and you want to play something back, it should feel like you're watching RTE. Or mm -hmm. It should feel like you're clicking on to watch Sky Sports 1, right? It should it should all feel like it's the same thing because it's our job specifically to get out of the way of you and the content you love. It's not our job to keep inserting ourselves and say, hey, don't forget about me. That's not our job. Our job is to get you to, to be entertained. Mm. Um, my review model is coming on Tuesday of next week and I'm very excited to get it uh, set up. And one of the things I'm most excited to buy or to test is trying to replicate the sound demo that you gave us. So we were in this stunning house uh, in Stillorgan here in Dublin. The, the house was just notions. It had a cinema room. You took us in and you played a bit of F1. And I kind of was bet back into my seat by the quality of the sound because I live with an audio nerd. My boyfriend is the worst when it oh, comes yeah. to having the best sound. We have big, ridiculous speakers. We have subwoofers in a little one-bed apartment in Leopardstown that shakes every time you watch a documentary or something like that. Tell him I approve. That's okay. excellent. I don't want approval. I don't want approval. But I'm just, I'm, I'm eager. <laughs> I'm eager to see... If that sound is replicated and talk me through the, the Dolby 360 Atmos, where are the speakers and how did you get that built into, again, a small enough frame that gives a good bit of welly that you do sit back in your seat when you're listening to something like an F1? I'm glad you brought it up because uh, I definitely I definitely am a wee bit of a kind of, I'm a bit of an audio nerd myself I can, a lot, and I, lo I love music and I love that kind of stuff. Interesting little thing. When we did HD, way, way, way back in the day at Sky, we did this test, right? And this test was basically what we did is we showed amazing HD pictures with stereo sound, right? And we showed um, great SD pictures, right, with surround sound. Mm -hmm. And we got 100 people in and we said, what one's HD, what one's SD? 80% of the people said the SD one was HD. And the reason is because of the sound. Yeah. And it's such a forgotten piece of the experience, right? It just is, right? And actually, the... Um, a lot of the TVs you go out and buy there today, even the ones that are costing you a pretty penny, the speakers themselves are actually made from cardboard in some examples, like actual cardboard. So that's why sometimes if when you're on your telly and you get to like 62 audio and you go up to 90, there's no difference because there's it, there's nothing more it can give. So the, 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 it was really, really important for us. If we are, if we believe that we're creating this all-in-one experience, then like 
we have, if you believe in that, you have to do that, right? So the, 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 the speakers, there's six speakers and they sit within the frame of the TV. So the, the, the thickness is exactly the same all the way around. Now, actually the, the thickness of sky glass is thinner than most TVs because a lot of the TVs are thin at the edge, but bulgy at the back. So when it sits on the wall, if you choose to do that, it looks crisp. So all those speakers are, are, are embedded around the, the frame, some up fire, some side fire and diagonal, and some come straight out at you. And the beauty of the design is they all sit within these little modules, and those modules are the same for the small, the medium, and the large. So even if you take the small one or the large one, the actual sound experience is the same. And we've been working out with Dolby and all the Atmos sort of, um, sort of testing that we do, and they are like absolutely over the moon with the performance of it. And if you... Um, even like, you know, normal TV sounds great. But then obviously, as you ramp up with some of our Dolby Atmos UHD Sport from Sky, or like you want to watch a movie in, in UHD and Atmos, or any of the content that exists in Netflix and Disney, all those that are, are, are in Dolby Vision and Atmos, like it passes it straight through. So you get the, you get as they say in Scotland, the full beans. Um, and so it's great, right? And, and you will be able to recreate that by watching just about anything on the platform that you, that you heard that day. Mm, yeah, I'm very excited to test it out. The other point I wanted to make, and I think we touched upon it last week, but there, there are three sizes um, and the same tech and spec is on each one regardless of the size. And I think, you know, it's an interesting move because you could easily have charged more or put more into the bigger screen, for example, to give people the premium option. What's the thinking behind giving the same access to every single thing rather than going, you know, the basic, the mid and then the pro? Because it's confusing, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, like you've got to forget if I'm involved, you've got to keep it simple. I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm, I'm too simple. But like, it is another thing, it is another problem. I think, again, we don't see it as much uh, because we can understand like what's what. But if, if you're sort of a, if you're just like going to buy a TV, mm-hmm. it's a quite a daunting experience. You know, there's hundreds of different versions and sizes and each size sometimes have different things inside it. And that's that's fine. Um, but like I, I, I said this to you, my, my dad genuinely went in to curry to try and buy a telly and he, he, he didn't because he wasn't sure whether he was supposed to get the one that let the wall up behind it or not mm-hmm. uh, that's going to do it that's going to do with it so it's a daunting experience for people so the idea of just you being able to go and say is it small medium or large and then what color do i want to match my house you know one of the five colors that we're that we're that we're bringing oh by the way what color did you go for blue nice yeah second favorite color it's quality and the remote what's your favorite color mine is green stone cold uh, oh. um I've got, I've got a green one it's quality and i like it because the remote matches so i like the green remote you see i'm into that yeah. uh but yeah i've, I've been into that beginning it's not as popular as blue for whatever reason i don't know but anyway but that's the idea the idea is just making it easy right yeah. take out all this confusion and just making it easy for people you know that's i think that's the that's the that's the general vibe of the whole thing yeah, I'm very excited to get my hands on it. Uh, we will, of course, bring you the full review here on News Talk over the coming weeks. Uh, but for the moment, Frederick, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for your time. No, thank you so much. Have a great day. Tech Talk on News Talk with VMware. Free your employees to work more securely from anywhere. Visit exertus.ie forward slash VMware. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. If you want to get in touch, you can do so at any stage. Uh, drop me an email, techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Instagram at jesskellynt. 
Recently, I jumped on a train from Dublin's Connolly Station and headed to lovely Leitrim. It's a part of the country that is sometimes known for its boating community or perhaps the ideal location for a hen or a stag. But I went to find out more about the impact of issues such as connectivity, co-working space and quality tech jobs. I was based out of a shared office space called The Hive and I met with a man who runs it. My name is Colin Kane and I'm the manager of The Hive, Carrick and Shannon. The Hive is Leitrim's Technology Enterprise Centre. Uh, there's been an enterprise centre here since the late 90s, but in 2013 we changed it all around and re- reconfigured it as a digital hub. It was one of the first digital hubs outside of the major urban centres in Ireland. And what does it mean to be a digital hub and what services do you offer and what benefits do the community get from it? Uh, the short answer to that, I suppose, is broadband. Broadband is still an issue, or it, it, it has been improved greatly over the last couple of years but it has, it has been a, a major issue in this region. We provided some bit of a solution to local people over the last nine years where they were able to come and get proper fibre like 100 meg upload in their early days and much much faster speeds now. It provided an, an, an ability for people to work from home or to work from this side of the country. We have a huge amount of commuters even though we're uh, two hours from Dublin we have a lot of commuters who, who would travel across the country every day so we provide them with an opportunity to work closer to home um, and to basically not be burning as much diesel as they would have been previously. The, the issue of broadband is it's a huge problem for people. And even this notion now of hybrid working or work from home, it's not a reality for a lot of people around the country. Do you have people who are here because they're still facing those connectivity issues? Absolutely. Uh, we've had them since uh, we opened at the end of 2013 and we still have them today. Uh, I suppose, and I don't really be, really want to be critical of the broadband providers, but they, uh, there have been, they have been massively challenged um, with, with the improvements that need to be made to the, to the uh, network. We've seen a lot of improvements over the last few years, but it, it isn't there yet. And there's still a lot of people where, and it's really frustrating, I'm sure, for people that um, so, someone might have uh, no connection and, and their neighbour 50 yards down the road has a choice of connections. And it's those type of issues that often send people to us and say, look, I just need to find a way that I can work independently, do my own thing. We set them up, we give them a key and a fob to 24-7 access and it gives them the, the ability to, you know, to have that freedom and to maybe ask their boss, hey, I, I've got a good setup now for remote working, um, is it possible that you consider it? And we're seeing more and more employers coming back and saying, yes, absolutely. They, they want to keep their staff, um, they want to keep them productive as well. So um, we have done so many proposals for people when they're going to their employer and most of them, in fairness, have come back positive and uh, Lots of people get to make the choice that they want. And in those instances, is it that people are getting hot desks or are there companies that are now, you know, taking office space uh, within here to try and facilitate that? Yeah, we'd have, we'd have both. Uh, at the moment, I think we have 48 remote workers and uh, the remainder of our, we have 22 offices here in total. So we have three of them, three of them are dedicated to remote working. And the rest are for uh, companies, so we have small businesses and some medium size as well. Uh, they, they take their own space, it's their office, uh, they're just sharing the building with a lot of other people. So uh, we have a mix, we'd have remote workers, we'd have entrepreneurs who may be just working from a desk. The next step up for them would be to take an office. The next step might be to take a larger office and start employing people. And in fairness, the, the next step for a lot of those will be to move out, as in to, to move on to the next place or maybe go into town, take their own building, 
to uh, maybe possibly move to somewhere else in Leitrim and expand. And we've seen lots of that, and we've had some great successes with with businesses expanding after they've you know moved moved on from here. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean. It really is all about jobs, as the saying goes. But from one supporting them, as in we we try to support job creation locally along with all the other agencies i mean a local enterprise office do a huge amount as well but um we we try to support and fill in the gaps where people are um but then also try to draw jobs to this part of the country you know showing it that it is actually um it is actually a, a plausible or a viable place for people to operate a technology business and it has shown time and time again that it is so uh, we're quite happy with that mm. i've walked around town a little bit and it struck me that there's much more activity around Carrick and Shannon than there was the last time I was here a number of years ago. It seems to be much more vibrant. You're seeing little coffee shops, you're seeing plenty of young people around the town. Do you think that's a result of um, remote working? You know, What has been the driver for the investment and the rejuvenation of the area? Um, well, we're, I suppose we're lucky. Um, Carrick has had a major uh, capital infrastructure investment over the last couple of years, so the, the street itself looks a lot better. It's 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 um, sort of fancier maybe than the last time we visited. But uh, we are seeing a lot a lot of people are moving back. Um, I think the the housing issues in other parts of the country and other parts of the world have drawn people back to Leitrim. Um, if you Google cheapest rent in Ireland, either Leitrim or Longford are going to be number one. Um, so that has led to be we have I've we've had people moving here from the likes of Dublin that have absolutely no connection with Leitrim or the west of Ireland. They Google, they find uh, a place to live, they come to us, they work here, and they can't believe that the, the the difference in lifestyle and the quality of life that they enjoy, because you could rent a, a two bed apartment if you can find one, <laughs> but a two bed apartment for. Um, the price of a shared room um, in in Dublin or in one of the other areas. So uh, there's good value for money, and that has brought a lot of people back to to the town and to the area. Um, remote working, we've had remote workers here for the last nine years, um, and but it has that's that sort of uh, that has expanded hugely over the last couple of years. So we're seeing um, a lot more people like I said, I suppose either getting a remote job or, or asking for the remote option within their existing job and, and being successful in that. So, mm. One of the things you can't help but notice when you're walking through and walking over the bridge around uh, Carrick is the number of boats. And how important is that boating community to the area? And do you get people, you know, hopping off the boat and popping in here to do a bit of work and then hopping back on the boat again? Yeah, I mean, Ireland is known as, as uh, the inland cruiser capital of Ireland or, or one of the inland waterways um, major centres in the country. Uh, there are literally hundreds of hire boats parked. Uh, they're not there now. Um, in August, they're all out in the rivers and parked outside pubs along the Shannon and places like that. But uh, yeah, it, it has always been well known for that. And in tourism in general, we have um, some great hotels, um, some destination hotels locally. Um, lots of great attractions like Loch Key out the road, um, Arigna Mining Experience up the road, um, Strokestone Park House. There's a load of them, load of, of there's a really well developed tourism infrastructure and lots lots to see and do. Uh, we have seen, especially over the last couple of years, with people not going away for holidays, that they have uh, taken the northwest. Really, I suppose has, has kind of that the spotlight has been put on it over the last couple of years because maybe they couldn't get bookings in Wexford or. Killarney or Galway or whatever and a lot of people have moved northwest along the um, uh, 
along the Atlantic corridor uh, or the Atlantic Wild Atlantic Way, um, you know, further further holidays. Um, I think that's opened it up to a lot of people, and I think people who visit generally do come back. Um, they like the the quality of accommodation. We have better restaurants in Carrick. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, uh, if you were to look at a proportion um, per per population, we, we have better restaurants probably than any town or city in Ireland. Um, there really is that good. Um, there really is a great choice there. Um, we're lucky as well. I mean, there's there's a lot. Of, there's a, a really busy uh, weekend trade all year round. Uh, we're seeing like the likes of hens and stags. I've every time I go anywhere and meet anyone and say I'm from Carrick and Shannon, they say, "Oh, I was at a hen party or I was at a stag party there once." And we actually do see some trade from that. We'd see people who maybe have a call or have some work to do on a Friday, but they also have a party to attend in Leitrim and they'll come down early. They'll work with us for the day or for the half day. And after that, uh, they're, <laughs> they're their own responsibility. We don't have anything to do with them. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it is an option for people. And I think people are, they're, they're looking at Ireland the way they would have looked at a holiday abroad previously. They don't just look at accommodation and flights. They actually look at, right, what are we going to do each of the days? And some work probably does sort of creep into the holidays now, so we we do provide for that. We'd also encourage them to go out and enjoy the good weather and all the rest as well. So, um, but uh, yeah, absolutely, the tourism does have a, a great impact on us, and we'd like to think that we have a little bit of a, a good impact on the on the tourism numbers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of the day to day running of a facility like this, what goes into it? And, you know, how expensive can it run? Because there are great facilities here. So I'm just intrigued on the business side of things. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a challenge, to be fair. Uh, we're we're trying to provide um, enterprise level or, or can really high standard of services to people between broadband and facilities and furniture and everything else that goes along with it. Um, but we, we also have to make it affordable. We are also uh, in the area that we're in. And given the fact that someone might be paying us a fee every month as well as their rent, you know, it has to be affordable. So we, we to try and keep prices as low as we can for our clients. But then we obviously have to, um, we don't receive any subsidies from anywhere. We don't get any funding from anywhere. It's all commercial income that we run on. Having said that, we've been very lucky with um, investment lo- uh, recently with the likes of Connected Hubs Fund. Uh, with Enterprise Ireland support and through the Western Development Commission we've also received some support recently so that has allowed us to add on additional things like a video conferencing suite uh, we've created a new co-working room uh, upstairs we have uh, we've got solar panels we've added on a 12 kilowatt um, solar array there last year and it worked really really well we're hoping to expand that further in the future uh, through the town and village fund we actually extended our car park earlier this year as well so we're seeing um we get good i suppose at, at applying for grants and spending them and doing all that kind of thing we work really well with our with all the different relevant funding agencies um but from a day-to-day basis uh i mean this place is, is available for people 24 7 and we do have people working here at all hours at seven days a week um so we need it needs to be available there can be challenges with that trying to do as much as it can with the you know a relatively very small budget um it can be difficult but we're lucky that we've got good great clients and uh, a great board of directors as well um so we we try and just balance one against the other and and uh, so far so good 
And what do people who pay for a hot desk, for example, so how much are they paying and what do they get for however long they're taking a hot desk? So a desk will be 20 euros a day. Um, so they pay 20 euros to come in, uh, they get a temporary fob, so they have access to the, the um, co-working spaces. Um, they get a really nice seat, a nice desk, lots of space, uh, loads of PowerPoints, two LAN connections and really fast Wi-Fi. They also get a monitor as well. We added monitors last year. So they can literally come in with uh, a laptop and pretty much everything else is there. If they want to bring an external keyboard, we don't actually provide those for mm -hmm. hygiene purposes, but uh, we do, uh, you know, they, they're, they're ready to go. Um, we also have the, the video conference room where if you have literally the the name and the password of your meeting that you're, you don't need to bring anything else with you. You can just log in to the, to the uh, equipment in there and uh, walk out again when you're finished. It's, it's try to make it as, as easy as possible. Um, as well as the desk itself, they also get access to the, uh, we have a cafe area. There's also another canteen upstairs if someone just wants to go somewhere and, and chill out. Um, out of the sort of hustle and bustle a bit um, and lots of other I suppose the biggest the, from a feedback point of view the, one of the biggest things for, for people who come here is they get to see other people and if you're working on your own in, in an office or in a garage or in an attic or whatever it is it's great and you have you know I enjoy my own company but after a while you do start thinking wow I wonder you know who was watching the match last night or who was watching the TV show or whatever so it's we the fee, we get so much feedback from people to say that they really enjoy just meeting other people and they're feeding off each other all the time they they might be working you know it might be an accountant and an architect working back to back but they're actually feeding off each other in a way that you know they're kind of um they're kind of pitching themselves against where they are, whatever it might be. So it's it's um, it it becomes like a, a little community, and it's and um, I suppose the community kind of runs itself, and in, in in from a point of view of of uh, people connecting with each other, um, creating friendships, even creating businesses. We've had a couple of businesses that have come about just from people collaborating over the coffee uh, machine or whatever. So. Um, it's it's really good from that point of view. So, uh, a hot desker will have access to, would say, good basics from the point of view of a desk, a chair, a broadband connection, a monitor, and all the different things they need. But the add-ons from that, though, are access to other people, maybe getting ideas from others, or just <clears throat> striking up friendships, or going for a walk at lunchtime, or all those type of things. So, mm -hmm. um, it helps that kind of that kind of atmosphere that we're we're trying to build. Yeah, I think that came across when we were in Portishead and Galway recently as well. That sense of community, talking out problems, having a chat, blowing off steam. It really is important, particularly when people are working um, at home on their own. Uh, I'm intrigued to know uh, the types of co companies that you have based here. So not the individual hot deskers, but the people who use us as their base. Because when I was looking up who to chat to when I was coming to Carrick, so many businesses in the area had their address as the hive. Yeah, we have um, we've over 30 at the moment. Um, <clears throat> they, they're working in a lot of different areas with a lot of people who work in design and in, in either like web design, software development, uh, even product designers, mechanical engineer, and that type of thing. Um, uh, one of our largest companies is, is uh, Prior PLM Medical. They've uh, they've got their factory across the road, and their their R and D team are here, uh, as well as their quality couple of their quality guys. And they have a lab in one of our industrial units at the front. So when they get clients um, over, they 
they'll bring them here they use all the different facilities as in our meeting rooms conference rooms or whatever um, and then show them around the lab uh, so they're in medical devices um, product life management is their is their uh, sector uh, we also have uh, EV charge in Ireland they're, they're providing uh, EV charging points to the 26 counties at the moment um, if you see their vans give them a beep um, we'd have uh, lots of guys who work in software development, mm-hmm. um, product design, product development, a uh, whole load of different different sectors really, and we can take a little walk around maybe, and uh, as we show you all the different ones. But um, no, we're really we're really lucky um, from a point of view of of the the quality of um, businesses that we have. I mean, we and and I suppose the innovation that they're showing as well. We've all sorts of people are trying new things i mean they're using this as a as the kind of sandbox to say right i've got a new idea i've got a new business i don't know if it's going to be a runner i might just try and run it for a few months or for a period of time from the likes of the hive might be lower uh barriers to exit if they wanted to get out or whatever and we've seen you know people trying new things and and it's great to see that because while not everything is a is a massive success, it, it does every sort of failure does give you one step closer to having that success. So um, we're we're happy to help in those kind of instances. You mentioned to me before we started recording that you're from this area that you you've known it all your life. It must be nice to be part of something that is facilitating people, you know, doing more, being employed in this area, and also moving back to this area if remote working is possible for them. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's one of the most um, gratifying, I think, elements of the job is I get to meet people I knew maybe 25 years ago and they say, oh, I knew you in school. And, and then you, you do the 25 year catch up and then you're able to help them maybe get get set up or get sorted. Um, it is. It's great. I, we, we, we do get a lot of um, connections from people who have left the area long ago and they're looking to come back. So it's always the kind of feel good factor when you think, wow someone's actually moving back like Leitrim has been losing its population for the last 150 years um, and over I think the last census it's actually grown by I think up near 10% which is massive um, um, I'm not saying that we're we're responsible for that but we would have a little little bit of, of uh, in there I've seen people who again would have no connection to the area move into Leitrim and part of the reason that they moved was because of the hive or because of the services. Um, we've seen people who move to the area or people who work here for the last four or five years that have sit, sat in the same desk and they've moved house three or four times. Mm-hmm. Like one of the major constants in their lives is the hive rather than the place that they live. Um, so it, it's kind of good to see it, us fitting in with other people and what they want. And all credit to the board of directors because uh, I think it's it's 15 years ago since the, the funding would have been agreed originally for this long before I started with the company and they had great foresight back in like in 2007 to say a digital hub is the way to go mm-hmm. whereas a lot of other communities are really only looking at it in the last three or four years um, so I, I, I don't take the credit for that that's all with the board of directors and fair play to them for um, for having that foresight but it's it's definitely it's great it's one of the best things to, to see people moving back and to see people who maybe gone to college and never really lived in the area again and now there we've so many newlyweds in here as well <laughs> because it, it might be part of the their changes uh, their 
they're getting married or they got married and they're moving back or maybe they got married a couple of years ago and they're having children and they're looking to put them in school in Leitrim or maybe North Roscommon um, so they're moving back to this area and that's really it's you know that's that shows I suppose that we're, we're kind of delivering on what we set out to do as well as trying to get companies into Leitrim and to get businesses thriving as much as possible um, businesses don't work without people um, you need to have the people there and it's it's always been a, a challenge I suppose with, a, with some employers and some businesses locally that they can find a place to work they can find um, they know what they have their work to do but they can't find the people to actually uh, do the do the work and that's really disappointing but every time we see people moving back you know we're, we're kind of chipping away at that issue and, and hopefully we'll get to the point where it's, it's not so big of an issue anymore. Yeah, that was Colm Keane of The Hive. Now, when we come back here on News Talk, I'm going to chat with some of the people using The Hive as a hub and get a better sense of the tech scene in lovely Leitrim. Tech Talk on News Talk with VMware. Free your employees to work more securely from anywhere. Visit exertis.ie forward slash VMware. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you until 6pm here on News Talk. And after that, John Fardy will be in with screen time. Uh, And John's with me now. John, what's coming up this week? I'm delighted you asked. The one and only Idris Elba, who was even cooler than I thought he would be talking about. His great new kind of... People call it a B-movie, but I mean that as a compliment. It's about him fighting a lion in the jungle. It's called Beast. It's a great summer movie if we're still in the summer. And he's a great actor. And he's talking to me on this week's Screen Time. Great stuff. All that to look forward to after 6pm. But before that, we're heading back to Leitrim to meet some of the businesses and tech employers in the area. Starting with Cora Systems, which is one of the biggest tech companies in the region that's continuing to grow. Derry Lynch, Head of Customer Success at Cora Systems. Cora Systems is the big player in town. We often hear about, uh, you know, fantastic investments, fantastic job announcements and so on. But for those who don't know, can you just tell us what does Cora Systems do? So Cora Systems are a global player on the uh, program and portfolio management space. And uh, our Cora PPM flagship product is utilised by over 80 customers globally to manage billions of dollars worth of uh, projects and portfolios uh, across the globe. And how long has the company been based here? So we've been based in Carrick and Shannon uh, over 20 years. Our founder, Philip Martin, um, was originally working out of of Dublin, but always had a a huge sense of place. So came back to Carrick in uh, 98, 99 and we've been operational since then. What was that operation like back then, making the move initially from you know, Dublin to this part of the country? Um, Philip uh, set up his base uh, just, uh, it's probably not very, uh, very well known, but he, he, he was across the bridge on the Roscommon side actually, um, and set up out of, a, out of an apartment there with, with Pat Henry, who would have been our co-founder. And the guys basically built the, the organisation from there. So um, I joined back in 2007 when I think we were about 35 people. We're now at about 150 um, with plans to go to 300. And we've operations, obviously Carrick is the world HQ, the, the Silicon Valley of the Northwest. Um, but we have operations in the UK and uh, building out a, a capability centre there in Atlanta in, in the US. And over that period of being based here in Carrick, have there been 
challenges but also opportunities from being in this part of the country? Yeah, so historically, I think you can look at that through two lenses. Um, For me, uh, I would have been a a typical example of somebody who grew up in the west of Ireland and was looking for an opportunity to get out of the rat race in in Dublin. So that relocation, there would have been a diaspora of us, you know, a lot of the profile of folks who joined CORE around that time would have been relocating back to the west of Ireland. And obviously all the different benefits that you have in terms of quality of life and uh, affordability and so on and so forth. Um, and that that would have been a very big big kind of attraction to, to, to people to move to this part of the country and work for it for a high-tech organization. What we're finding now though is obviously post-COVID and with the growth and the expansion that, that Cora has had, um, particularly in the US, that we're now a, a destination employer. So basically, uh, the ability to locate out of the west of Ireland is one additional feature in our, our in our list of benefits that you have in terms of coming to, 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 to join us. Um, but also the, the exciting opportunity that the, an organisation that's going through a huge amount of growth, it's an opportunity to join us at a good time and, and, and leverage that. And what sort of roles are you attracting? And, you know, is the local talent pool dipped into or is it always a case of trying to get people from your Dublin, Cork, Galway, Limericks? Um, it's, it, with our current uh, growth trajectory, we, it, the, 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 the local talent pool will only get us so far. Mm-hmm. So we've had to broaden our, our, our horizons in that regard. However, we have very close links with the Atlantic University in Sligo. And again, we'd always have that kind of um, attractiveness to, to, to people from this locality who uh, would have moved abroad and are looking to move back. Um, the types of roles we're looking for basically covering all areas of, de- of de- development and delivery. So we're looking for business analysts, we're looking for solution architects, we're looking for uh, integration specialists, we're looking for um, artificial intelligence guys, we're looking, you name it, anybody that can help us as part of our kind of growth, specifically you know, focusing on um, the kind of uh, manufacturing engineering space. We, you know, that's a niche that we've carved out for ourselves, particularly in the US. So, you know, that kind of, 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 uh, of, 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 of uh, role set is, is very important to us. Mm. When people move here to work for the company, um, what's the adjustment period like in terms of accommodation, facilities, connectivity, all that sort of thing? Well, in terms of, of Carrick as a location, I mean, it's got a really, really good infrastructure in place. You know, we've got the the, the high-speed fibre broadband from a connectivity perspective. And within that, you know, from an accommodation perspective as well, you know, there's not nearly the same kind of constraints as there would be in one of the more built-up urban areas like Dublin or Galway. You know, mm-hmm. people people have, uh, obviously, that affordability benefit as well, moving from, from, from larger areas back to the back to the, the west of Ireland. Um, and, you know, in, in most cases, again, particularly with, I suppose, post-COVID, the, the kind of hybrid working environment, we would tend to find, you know, a lot of our execs from the US would come over for four to six weeks at a time. So they'll be able to get temporary accommodation, but they then weave themselves into the fabric of the business mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and basically are as seamlessly involved as any of our colleagues from, from, the, from that perspective. You mentioned there about having um, bases in the UK and the US. How does that work with your HQ in Carrick in terms of airport access, the amount of travel, the communication and so on? 
Again, we're very fortunate. Um, I suppose one of the legacies of the Celtic Tiger is, is the brilliant motorway network we have. I think, as you've discovered yourself, we're only about an hour and 40 minutes from Dublin. But Knock is a very, a very un- forgotten, I suppose, hope for us as well. You know, we can, we can have folks um, from the UK over to our, our, our Knock, uh, sorry, over to Knock Airport very, very quickly. And that's less than 40 minutes from Carrick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that, those kind of uh, connectivity channels are open to us. Again, we you know we do a lot of business up in the north of Ireland as well. Uh, you know, in, in an hour, an hour and a half, four, an hour to, to, to two hours has us in Belfast, which mm-hmm. is, again, a very, very key location for us. So even though, again, you could look at Carrick as being a, a rural and remote area, those networks and those, those infrastructure elements allow us to be very connected. You mentioned there about the uh, brilliant job expansion going to more than 300 employees. It must be nice for someone who's been around the company for so long to see it to go from strength to strength and doing so with the HQ in this part of the country. Yeah, I suppose I, I have a personal kind of stake in that in a sense that Carrick is my hometown mm-hmm. and uh, I would have worked in Dublin for about 15, 20 years prior to having the opportunity to come back to Carrick and back to Cora back in 2007. And I suppose in that you know, intervening 15 year period, I've watched and been part of the growth of the, of, of the company to from 35 odd people to where we are planning to be now in, in, in the next 12, 24 months. So, I mean, it just, I suppose it shows the agnostic element of the IT industry that it really doesn't matter where you're located, provided you have a compelling offering and you've got the ability with the team that you have working around you to be able to deliver on those promises. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what we're, what we're doing now in Cora. One of the big pluses, and I say this as someone who's a dub and I'm very lucky to, to kind of be ingrained in elements of it is there's a brilliant tech community and tech culture in Dublin and pretty much any day of the week you could go to a meetup or you could go down to somewhere like Dogpatch Labs and meet the, the startups and kind of get a sense of the excitement. Does such a thing exist in Carrick? I think that's something just that basically people bring with them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I, you know, personally, I would still have very strong relationships with the folks I worked with in Dublin back 15, 20 odd years ago. And they're, they're a sounding board for us as, a, as, a, as an organisation, because in some cases they're working for businesses that are, you know, five or 10 years down the road in terms of co- where Cora needs to be. So yeah. we can we can tap into that network and t- tap into that uh, that kind of uh, community and that helps us to kind of drive our decision making as well. And does that feed back in the other way then? You know, do uh, the employees at Cora get other startups or other businesses here in the locality looking for advice and, gu- and guidance and mentorship and that sort of thing? Yeah, so that's that's something our, our, our CEO, Philip Martin, is, is very keen on. And uh, he's, he's part of a number of different bodies that promote the idea of, of startup culture within the Northwest region. So we're giving back to the, to the local uh, to the local uh, community and, to, the, and to, to other companies to kind of learn from the journey that we've been on. That was Jerry Lynch of Chorus Systems. Now, while I was in the Hive, I caught up with some of the businesses using that co-working space as their base. My name is Johnny Byrne uh, from johnnyburn.com and I'm an online course coach. So we've been, a group of us actually had been on a steering group related to the Hive because we were just waiting for it to open. It was a facility that a number of us had identified a real need for in terms of co-working space, high-speed broadband, um, all the services that come with the Hive. So I tried working from home um, and it was grand, but it's just, uh, it can be 
somewhat lonely. I still do a good bit from home, but just kind of the water cooler effect of being here, all the services for one fixed fee. It's very, very reliable. Um, so there's a nice social aspect. As I say, I get a lot of value from working from home. So I'm kind of a, a hybrid worker, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I know you have a book called Rethink Remoting and you touch upon different topics relating to health and well-being and all that sort of stuff. How important is the environment that you're working in, whether you are in an office like my normal office in News Talk or at a desk like somewhere in the hive or at your kitchen table? How important is it to have a good setup and a setup that works for you, your body and your mind? Yeah, I think it's crucial. So what we focus on on the book is a number of different tools and techniques uh, around the environment. So one would be potentially a sit-standing desk or take uh, some breaks or to kind of walk around while you're working if you can. But definitely to have an environment that's enjoyable to work. So pulling out the laptop and putting it on the kitchen table is not really uh, ideal because that's that's where you eat and potentially where other people eat and ideally what we suggest is that you have a space be it the corner of a bedroom the corner of a living room so that when you get up from that space you're actually leaving work Mm -hmm. so that it's important that you your brain knows when you're working and when you're not working Mm -hmm. and if you if you blend the two of them too much sometimes consciously or subconsciously we don't know if we're working or not. Mm-hmm. And we seem to be always on. And a lot of people say, even in non-remote working, that you know the connected employee and answering emails at midnight and stuff like that and legislation changing and so on and so forth. So I think it's really important that you separate the two. Um, even if you're using a space like the Hive, the ability to close one door and open another, you know, close the office behind you, and that you're actually leaving work for a couple of hours or for the night it's really really important and you can do it at home too by separating the two i know one of the things you do is you teach people how to train people online is that correct yeah so i suppose my catchphrase is i teach people online how to teach people online yeah Mm -hmm. and what does that entail because you know a lot of Uh, universities now like my sister works in a university in the UK and I know that online has become ingrained in what they do in in her university and I know that when I was in college all those years ago we were just starting to hear about things like Moodle for example and engaging with technologies but not everyone uh, is comfortable I suppose in terms of whether they're giving a presentation or whether they're teaching or whether on the, they're on the receiving end of any of that with the dynamic of the screen so are there tips or are there tricks or what are your golden nuggets of information and uh, wisdom for people who are in that space of trying to get a message across remotely sure yeah so um the people I, I teach online are typically trainers or subject matter experts. And while it may be new and a little bit uncomfortable, when I suggest that they focus on the short to long term goal would be that you can stop trading your time for money. So my next book is called Say It Once, Sell It Often, which means that they can actually, as I have clients all over the world, irrespective of uh, economies, borders, time zones, they are learning what I am teaching 
and I don't necessarily have to be there. Mm. So it's pre-recorded. I also do live as well. So it, it's definitely new and getting comfortable on camera. My advice is the best practice is to practice. Mm -hmm. So pick up your phone every day and do a little video into it and delete it. And after a while, you'll get comfortable with it. It took me a while to get comfortable with listening back to my own voice. Nobody likes the sound of their own voice. Nobody thinks they look great on camera, no matter how great they look on camera, because we are our own worst critics. So I think if we get out on our, of our own way and focus on how we can change people's businesses through our training or change their lives through our training, depending on what you're training, and focus on that, then we will overcome the technical challenges and the confidence challenges. And as I say, you know, there is a bit of a cliche in the industry, money while you sleep. I didn't believe it until it happened for me and it, it can happen. Brilliant stuff. If people want to find more information, where can they find you? Yeah, so my website's johnnyburn.com and burn is B-E-I-R-N-E, -E, so johnnyburn.com. I'm Brefney Early. I set up a, a business here in, in Leitrim about three, four years ago, um, which is, I suppose, evolved into a digital media agency. So we create websites, podcasts uh, for ourselves, for our own platforms, but also for third-party clients as well, locally and nationally. Have you always been based here in Neitram? Yeah, I grew up here, uh, spent, the like most people around here, spent a bit of time in Dublin, went to college, didn't quite find the road back for a couple of years, spent about 15 years in Dublin, and then just really wanted to get out of the rat race. Uh, decided I wanted to move home but wasn't quite ready so took a bit of a detour traveling for a year or two um, and ended up cycling around the world and then I came home and set up a business so I wanted to be based in, in Leitrim it hasn't been easy but it's probably the most uh, the best thing I've done for myself in in, in, in my career really was come home and, and find a way to, to make life work here and what were some of the, the, the challenges in that initial period of getting started uh, for me, I, I think it was a, a range of things, really. I suppose the I tried working out on my kitchen table for a while. Uh, that didn't work. So I ended up coming in here to, to Column in the Hive and, and renting an office space. Um, and that was probably the game changer for me in a couple of different ways. One, it gave me space. It gave me a much, much better internet connection and to be able to actually work. Uh, but on top of that, it also gave me that bit of credibility. So that was a game changer for us with a, with a kind of a brand that we set up, well, I set up back in the in 2019 called Leitrim Daily, which was a half hour podcast every day about life in Leitrim. Uh, COVID kind of killed that off. There was nothing to talk about. We didn't want to just keep forcing COVID down people's throats. So, so that kind of died. But the sport was what really engaged people. Um, and so, yeah, Final Whistle came out of that on a kind of national level covering mid-level sports. So your GA club championships, your All-Ireland League rugby, League of Ireland soccer, Women's National League soccer. So that's kind of developed into a, a nice little business for us here there. But the obstacles would have been the, the availability of a place to do that from. So uh, moving into the hive in terms of gave us that credibility, gave us that... Um, yeah, just that kind of s s platform to kind of push on and, and really be taken seriously by advertisers, by uh, guests, by by clubs and organisations we're working with. In terms of the setup and the equipment and the investment that needs to go in to ensure that you're capturing those sound bites and those moments, um, how did you decide? How did you prioritise what to get and where to put the money, particularly at that early stage? 
Well, you're using a, a Zoom H4n, as you can see here, um, and we just had a conversation off air about how antiquated it is, but that's what we started on, that exact piece of kit. It had a broken microphone at the top, so we had to use external mics. Uh, I happened to have it from a previous project a decade ago, and it was sitting there, and I took it out. I used that religiously for the first maybe eight, nine months, mm -hmm. and then we upgraded to the, the next model up, and then now we use a kind of a, a bit more sophisticated uh, technology. But I suppose the first... Six, 60, 70 episodes of the show, our total outlay, given that I had so many equipment just mm -hmm. in the house, was about 60 euro. Wow. So we produced a half hour radio show effectively for a euro a day. Mm -hmm. And half of that was cables from the microphone to the, to the, uh, to the recorder. So um, it's got a bit more expensive since then. But uh, in terms of the actual cost outlay when we were setting it up, we just found ways of doing it cheaply. Um, and even here with Colm uh, in the Hive, it was great. We, we came in and said, listen, we don't really have the resources, but here's the plan, and he backed it, and and the, the, the committee here backed it and, and let us in and, and gave us help with that. And, and I suppose having those conversations with people, the local enterprise office were very good to us in the first maybe 12, 18 months. Mm -hmm. um, not huge, huge money, but what we needed at the time, we needed it. Uh, and so for us, that was uh, massive in terms of getting going. Um, I suppose we'll turn over six figures this year uh, from really, really small aircoins three years ago. Uh, and, and, and so what are those revenue streams or where are they coming from? Well, we have a book that we produce uh, locally here for the, the local GA championships. It covers every single game, every single team, that, every player that's going to be in the, in the county this year, men's, women's, hurling, the whole shebang. Um, and so we have advertising revenues from that. We have um, sales from that book. We also have... Uh, revenues from other sources like I mentioned third-party technical clients so we create video content we create audio content we design websites for people uh, third-party clients who pay us the going rate mm -hmm. so uh, when all is put together we have a team of about uh, eight or nine kind of part-time people um, and then we have uh, working in each area so some in graphic design some in, in, in different aspects of that design and, and development process uh, and then we also have maybe 25 to 30 freelancers who provide content to our own platform so it's really grown exponentially in the last three years there you have it that was my trip to Leitrim it really is a gorgeous part of the country it's along the water great coffee shops and just very pleasant people a huge thank you to Colm and the team at The Hive for welcoming me in and giving me a desk for the day uh, and that's it for this week's show if you missed anything you can listen back on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud I'll be back with Shane and Kira on Monday's News Talk Breakfast but in the meantime enjoy the rest of your weekend <laughs>